uh, let me just start with a question. Uh, has anybody ever entrusted you with something, maybe something important or something valuable? Maybe you can think back to when you were like 16 years old and you got your license and one of your parents entrusted the keys to the car to you, you know, and uh, with great freedom comes great responsibility, right? Uh, I remember uh, early after getting my license and parking in a parkade uh, to go to mo a movie with some friends and it was an underground parking lot and those underground parking lots have the cement poles everywhere. And uh, lucky for me, those cement poles had been freshly painted with nice yellow paint. And my dad had entrusted me with the family vehicle and said, you know, have fun with your friends, but be really careful in those underground parking lots. There's these cement poles everywhere and you got to kind of maneuver around them. So I got into the spot perfectly fine. But then when it came to backing out, I don't know, for some reason, I, I wasn't paying as much attention, but I, I got a nice little yellow rub along the side of my dad's vehicle. That's what happened to me when he entrusted me with the keys to the car. Hopefully, uh, you've been better stewards of the things of value that you've been entrusted with. And uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at a story from Jesus about great wealth that's entrusted to some servants and sort of the question is, you know, what do they do with this wealth that they're entrusted with? So uh, before we get to that passage, let me just kind of review a little bit of where we've been. We're in this, this series looking at uh, Matthew chapter 24 and 25 and uh, it's um, the Olivet Discourse. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives talking to his disciples. They've approached him and said, you know, tell us about, you know, the last days and how things are going to happen. And, and so he goes into this lengthy, I wouldn't even call it a, a discussion. It's, it's him talking to them, a lengthy teaching to his disciples. And so this morning, we're looking at one of the parables that's in a group of three parables or three stories that Jesus begins to wind down this teaching with. Last week, Pastor Terry uh, introduced us to the first of the three parables, uh, the story of the 10 bridesmaids and how they had to be prepared for the bridegroom coming. And so today, we're looking at the parable of the bags of gold or some of you might know it as the parable of the talents. And, uh, and so we're just going to dive into that story and, um, and sort of consider this question of what have we been entrusted with and what are we doing with the things that we've been entrusted with from Jesus? So let me read this passage and then, uh, and then we'll dive in. I'm reading from the New International Version. And again, this is Jesus' words speaking to his disciples. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, 
good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. It's just a really awkward way to end that story. So I thought maybe I'd just throw that little dramatic effect into it. I don't know. It's just, just me. Anyways, let's, uh, let's pray. Let's invite Jesus to speak to us, to us from his word, from this parable that he told. And so Jesus, we, uh, we invite you to speak to us from your word this morning. We thank you that you are the God who speaks. You spoke to your disciples a couple thousand years ago and you speak to us today. So Holy Spirit, we open our ears to hear what you have to say. We open our hearts to receive what you want to speak into our hearts and souls. We surrender our will to you, seeking to follow you faithfully as faithful servants today in light of your word. So speak. Be present among us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So let me just kind of go back through this story and sort of recap and review. Um, At the very start there, Jesus says, again, it will be like, and if you're wondering what he's talking about, the parable just previous to that started out by saying, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. So Jesus is talking again about the kingdom of heaven here in this passage, again, The kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey. This man is a a wealthy man, a man who has a, a massive estate. And the man, the master in this passage, is referring to Jesus. And so Jesus tells this story of a man going on this journey, and he calls his servants to him. And again, in the context of this story, Jesus, if he's the master, the servants would be his disciples, the ones that he's talking to. And so he calls his servants to him. So in the story, the master calls his servants to him and he starts distributing his wealth to these servants, these bags of gold. And to the first servant, he gives five bags of gold. Don't worry, it's not real gold. We all wish. And uh, then to the second servant, he gave two bags of gold. And the third servant, he gave one bag of gold. And so he gives them all this wealth because he's going away on a journey, which again, in light of Jesus' message to the disciples, you know, I'm, I need to go away for a time, but I will come back, right? So this master's going away on this journey, divvies up this wealth, 
It's, uh, it's believed that one bag of gold or a talent, as some translations would talk about, a talent would be like a measurement of, of money. So a bag of gold or a talent would be the equivalent of about 20 years wages for a day laborer. So if you consider how much money was given to the, the third servant, who ends up being the lazy servant, 20 years worth of wages. If you, know, if you were holding that in your hand as a servant in, in, a, in a, an estate of a master, you'd think like, I could probably walk away and retire on this, right? The second servant had 40 years worth of wages. The first servant had 100 years worth of wages that the master entrusted to him. So the master didn't give it to him. He entrusted it to him, meaning this is still belongs to me. I'm giving it to you to, to handle while I'm away, right? So as the story goes on, it says that the master, or sorry, before the master returns, each of the servants does something with what they've been entrusted, right? The, the first servant with the five bags of gold immediately goes and puts it to work and gains five more bags. And I forgot to actually bring more bags of gold. For some reason in my head, I just had this in mind. So just imagine, this is now doubled, 10 bags of gold. The second servant went and put his money to work and doubled it, you know, so now there's four bags of gold. The last servant went and, for some reason, dug a hole in the ground, put the bag of gold in there and walked away until the master returned. Kind of a strange behavior in light of what we saw from the first two. There was kind of a pattern emerging and then all of a sudden we get to this surprise servant. You know, why did he do this? So then the story goes on. And the, the master returns and he wants to settle accounts with the servants. So he calls the servants back and servant number one comes with his now 10 bags of gold and he's really excited. You know, master, look, I put these five bags of gold to work and I gained five more. And the master's really excited for him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm gonna put you in charge of many. And then he says, come and share in your master's happiness, almost like an invitation to the estate, to the, you know, to the family. Welcome to the family. Come and share in my happiness. Come and participate and enjoy all of what you've accomplished and what we've accomplished together. Servant number two comes and very similarly says, Master, he's all excited. Look what I did. I put your two bags of gold to work and gained two more, doubled what you entrusted to me. And the master is excited for him. Yeah, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. We'll put you in charge of many. And again, this invitation, come and share in your master's happiness. Come and participate and enjoy and be filled with joy and blessing and generosity and just come be a part of this estate, this kingdom. Then the third servant comes along and let me just read it so I get it right. The third servant comes with the one bag of gold and he says, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed, so I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. And see, here is what belongs to you. This third servant wasn't very excited. He was, you know, had a different kind of response than these other two servants. He was fearful. He was maybe somewhat ashamed. He was timid. He was awkward. 
came to the master and said, you know, I knew that you're a hard man and so I was afraid I dug it in the, in the ground and, and, but here, I'm giving you back what you've entrusted to me. And the master, in a very surprising sort of response, you know, responds very differently than he did with the first two servants. He says, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. And notice the question mark in that response. It's almost like a bit of, you know, almost sarcasm in there. So this is what you thought about me? You thought that I was this hard man? You thought that I was this way? And then he says, well, if that's really the way you thought, you should have at least put the money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And then he, you know, takes the bag of gold away from him, give it to the one who has many. He says, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And then this response if we were to compare it to the responses of the first two servants where he says, come and enjoy your master's happiness, he says to this final servant, throw that worthless servant out, outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Um, but very, you know, an opposite response. He's invited these two servants to enjoy all of the kingdom, all of the blessings of the kingdom. He's cast the last servant out. Get that servant out of my sight. And in a sense, he's saying, I don't think that servant really knew me. I don't think I really knew that servant. That servant had a false understanding of who the master was. The first two servants believed certain things about the master and responded in similar ways. The last servant was afraid of the master. He had this, this view that he was a, a, a hard man, a taskmaster, that you know, he responded out of fear. And there's almost like a lack of relationship, a lack of understanding between that last servant and the master. So as we consider this parable, you know, what, what are we to get from this? I think we could maybe ask the question, you know, who are we in this story? You know, obviously we're not the master. The master is Jesus. The servants represent Jesus' disciples, Jesus' servants. And the question for us would be, if if we're followers of Jesus, if, if we've put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus, we've received him in our lives and we are part of his family, we are his servants, we are his followers, then we're like the servants in this story. And if that's the case, then we have to kind of ask the question, well, which servant are we most like? So let's kind of go there and, um, and look at some applications out of this. And let me just say, there's something really powerful about parables. When Jesus tells stories, he's not giving us three-point sermons. He's not giving us lists of, you know, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. He's telling stories to provoke and, and inspire our holy imagination And so when we look at a story like this, there's an opportunity for us to invite the Spirit of God to illuminate our minds and sort of inspire our imagination to ask the question, you know, Jesus, what are you trying to say to me through this story? And when we hear a story like this, again, you might walk away and it might stick with you. It might resonate for a day, a couple days, a week, you know, who knows how long. But these stories are meant to be digested and, and processed. And, and so some questions that I'll ask us in, in light of sort of response or application 
these are just sort of some of the things that I believe Jesus has inspired me to share. Doesn't mean that there's more that you might not get out of this story. So I wanna start with a question. And the question I wanna ask is, what's in my bag of gold? If Jesus the master has given his servants his wealth, he's entrusted it to them, to us, then what's in the bag of gold that Jesus has given me? Right, me, you, all of us. If you've been given a bag of gold, what's in that bag of gold? And I was actually really hoping to have plastic coins to give out to everybody today. And I went after St. Patrick's Day and they were all gone. So, uh, so I kind of missed out on that. But if you've got a loony in your pocket or a toonie, I don't even know if anybody carries cash anymore because of COVID and how much it's changed, the way we operate. Anyways, if you've got a coin, you could pull it out of your pocket and maybe sort of hold it and think about this question. You know, what's in my bag of gold? Uh, what are some of the treasures that Jesus has entrusted to me? So I'm just gonna share a few things that came to mind and there might be more things that you would add to this. But as I consider my bag of gold, the first thing I think about is me or you. If you were to consider your bag of gold, yourself, you as a person are in that bag of gold that Jesus has entrusted to you. All of what makes you, you. Your personality, your experiences, your passions, your skills and abilities, your interests, all of what makes you, you is unique to you and it's in your bag of gold that Jesus has entrusted to, to you. Your life is part of the treasure that he's entrusted to you. I believe that every person on the planet is a gift, a gift from God. We did a child dedication last week and every time I do a child dedication, I believe those children are gifts of God. There is nobody here by accident. The psalmist declares that even uh, in your mother's womb, that God knit you together in your mother's womb. So even if the circumstances that brought you into this world might have been somewhat accidental, you're not here by accident. You're here on purpose, for a purpose. You were created by God. He was part of forming you in the womb. He knew you intimately there and then. And your life is a gift that he's entrusted to you like a bag of gold to be used for his kingdom plans and purposes. So think about that as you think about your life and yourself and you know, the things that you enjoy about you, the things that you believe, I'm good at this, I'm, you know, I was created to do this. These are treasures that Jesus has entrusted to you on his behalf for his plans and purposes. Now the challenge with looking at ourselves as being part of this bag of gold is that in the mix of everything good that God's created in us, there's also this sort of tainted reality that we live in a broken world and our lives are often broken by the world in which we live. And even outside, beyond the sort of external brokenness, there's the internal reality that sin is, is part of you know, the core of who we are as well. There's this sinful nature that we kind of battle with. And so because of that, I think the next thing that we need to consider in this bag of gold is if you are sort of the first thing, he is the next thing. Jesus is in this bag of gold. Jesus himself wants to do a work in you of recreating you. In 2 Corinthians, it says, for those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And so in Christ, we've been recreated. 
We are new creations, new creatures. We're even more the, the treasured possession that he desires us to be because of Jesus dwelling in us. Let me just read a couple scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Jesus himself dwells within you by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You've been marked. If you are in Christ, you've been marked by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit resides in you as a deposit. Again, these sort of financial terms, right? The Holy Spirit's a deposit in your life, in your bag of gold that Jesus has entrusted to you. And the Holy Spirit wants to do a work of transformation in you. He wants to the theological word is sanctify you. He wants to make you holy. He wants to be, he wants to make you more and more like Jesus as you grow more and more in him. So we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We also, through the Holy Spirit, have the, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Again, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For those of us who are in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within us to change and transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit also empowers us for ministry and service in the world in which we live. That verse in Ephesians talks about being God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So again, as we think about this bag of gold, this treasure that Jesus has entrusted to us, the Holy Spirit is a part of the, the treasure that he's given us to change and transform us and to empower us for ministry. And we could get into spiritual gifts and all kinds of things that we just don't have time for today. But if you think of two words here, presence and power. Jesus' presence and Jesus' power is a part of this bag of gold that he's given you. You might also think of your resources as you think of this bag of gold and some of the treasure in there. You know, maybe it's your financial well-being. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's other types of resources that God has entrusted to us that we are to steward and manage for his glory. Maybe it's the, the resources of our world, our planet, and the idea that we are to take care and be responsible. These are all sort of resources that might be in this bag of gold. And then the last thing I was thinking about is this idea of his mission. Jesus entrusted us with a mission. In Matthew 28, he told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And in Acts, in the similar mission but reworded, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this idea that the Holy Spirit was gonna do a powerful work in these disciples so that they would bear witness to Jesus. They would live on mission for Jesus in the circles of people around them. And so as we think of our lives and the bag of gold that Jesus has entrusted to us, there might be family members that come to mind, there might be neighbors, there might be co-workers, there might be people in our community that you bump into day in and day out. And as we live among people, the mission is to 
let the Holy Spirit do a work in us so that we will bear witness to Jesus with the people that we interact with. So what's in your bag of gold? And I've given a bit of a list and, and maybe just something's kind of sparked in your mind. You know, this is something I think Jesus wants to speak to me about today. This is in my bag of gold. I need to pay attention to this. So let's move on to another question. Before I ask that question, let me just say this. The previous parable about the bridesmaids being, you know, ready for the bridegroom coming, uh, Jesus kind of told that story to encourage the disciples to be prepared, right? I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back at a time that you don't know, and you need to wait in, in this sort of spirit of preparation, right? The wise and the foolish bridesmaids, be the wise one, be prepared, be ready. The parable today really is about productivity, If last week's parable was about preparation, today is about being productive for the master. It's a story to get us thinking about how we're investing our lives for the kingdom of heaven. It's a story to get us thinking about the bag or the bags of gold that Jesus has entrusted us with and asking the question, what are we doing with this? How are we investing it for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven? And so the next question is a really challenging one. Am I a faithful servant or a lazy servant? Am I a faithful servant or a lazy servant? And as I ask that question of myself, I know that I oscillate back and forth between those two realities quite regularly, more than I would like to admit. But the question is there. It's right in, the, in this story. Am I a faithful servant or a lazy servant? And as we kind of consider that question, two questions kind of related to it. The first is, how well do I know the master? How well do I know the master? Because the lazy servant in that story seemed to have a a false understanding of who the master was. The lazy servant responded out of fear and guilt and shame and with this perception that the master was a certain way, but the other two servants didn't see the master that way. So there's something connected, something related between the relationship with the master and how productive the servant was. And so the question for us to consider is how well do I know the master? The lazy servant's lack of understanding of the the master led to a mishandling of the master's wealth. I believe that our productivity for Jesus will flow out of our relationship with him. Let me just say that again. I think our productivity for Jesus will flow out of our relationship with him. And Jesus tells us this in other places. One of those is in John chapter 15 where Jesus uses another illustration of a vine and branches and fruit. And Jesus says, I am the vine and you, the disciples, are the branches. And if you want to bear fruit, you have to be connected to the vine. A branch on its own will not bear fruit. At least it won't bear fruit that will last that fruit will die, the branch will die because you need to stay connected to the vine. And what Jesus is saying there is that your productivity as a disciple will flow out of your connection to me or your relationship to me. And so the question as we consider, am I a faithful servant or a lazy servant? How well do I know the master? 
And is my life being productive because I'm spending time with him? I'm connected to him. I'm growing in my relationship to him. As I grow closer to Jesus, am I understanding more of who he is? And am I understanding his heart and his priorities and the things that matter to him? Because the more I spend time with him, the more he's going to rub off on me. And the more I'm going to live like him and the more I'm going to want to be productive for him. Three things come to mind when I think about what's important to Jesus. He was challenged by a religious leader. You know, what are the greatest commandments? Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are two things. And then if you look at his final words to the disciples, which we've already talked about today, go and make disciples of all nations. Those are three things right there. As we spend time with Jesus, we know loving God matters, loving people matters, making disciples matters. So if I'm a faithful servant and I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus, I'm beginning to pursue the things that matter to Jesus. And then secondly, am I living an intentionally productive life for the master? If I'm growing in my relationship with him, am I intentionally being productive for him? How could I make the most of the bag of gold or the bags of gold that Jesus has entrusted to me? Servant number one was really excited to go out and put the master's wealth to work. He was intentionally productive. And I'll just say this. I believe being productive for Jesus is not simply getting up on time for church on Sunday morning. As good as that is, there's more to it than that. Being intentionally productive for Jesus is a day in and day out thing. It's a week to week thing. It's a year by year thing. It's, it's a constant relationship with Jesus where we're growing with him and out of connection to him, we're going out and making a difference in the world in which we live for Jesus' name. I had a couple more things I want to say, but I'm going to just wrap it up with this one final thought. If you want the other piece, ask me later and I'll tell you the other story. But um, one final thought. If we think about the wealth out of this story and, how, and you know, what was distributed to these servants, if a bag of gold represented about 20 years of wages in their day and age, if we were to take sort of the equivalent, you know, what would that look like in our day and age? So if you are a minimum wage worker working about 35 to 40 hours a week, and one bag of gold represents about 20 years of wages, we're looking at about $600,000 in this bag of gold. Servant number one was given about $3 million. And this was given to servants, day laborers, who that kind of wealth would have been like shocking to them. And if we just consider that image, if we consider that reality and put it in sort of kingdom of God economics, Jesus isn't giving us $600,000 to go and spend for his purposes, but he's giving us immense kingdom treasure. And if you think of the bag of gold that you have in your hand, to me, what it speaks to me about is how limited I think about my life and the resources at my disposal and all that Jesus could do in me and through me. I've got a pretty limited view and as I consider this story this morning, this passage, and I consider like one bag of gold, you know, maybe I'm a one bag of gold servant, maybe I'm a two, maybe, I, I don't know. But even if I'm a one bag of gold servant, $600,000, you know, if that was in kingdom of God terms, kingdom economics, like Jesus has given great wealth to me. 
to use for his kingdom plans and purposes. He's given me a great uh, amount of treasure to be responsible with. He's entrusted it to me. And so what does that look like? And so I ask that question of you. Hopefully this passage will increase our vision that your life could make an immense difference in the kingdom of God. If you really surrender to Jesus, stay connected to him, and live intentionally productive lives for him. So you individually could make a great dent in the kingdom, right? For, king, for Jesus' plans and purposes. And then think about it collectively in this room. If all of us were one bag servants, there's a lot of wealth sitting in this room right now. And if you're watching online at home and the different homes scattered across Okotoks and Calgary and area, there's a lot of wealth in this church family. And just imagine if we all intentionally pursued Jesus and let him do a work in us to change and transform us and empower us to go out and make a difference for the kingdom of God. And I know many of you are doing that. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And my expectation out of this passage is that there's just so much more. We're just like scratching the surface of what Jesus wants to do. So let me just pray and uh, we'll invite the worship team to come up and then we'll, we'll get ready for communion if you wanna get your communion elements ready. But um, why don't we stand together and let me just pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we thank you for this story. We thank you that you told stories to stir our hearts and our imaginations for you. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to continue to stir in our hearts and in our minds in these moments as we consider the question, you know, what is in our bag of gold that you've given us? I pray that even in this moment, you would give us some specific ideas, some specific clues as to what you've given us. Maybe you'd give each one of us in this place this morning and scattered around Okotoks this morning you'd give us a, a picture of, of what it is that you've given us. And that with that, we would ask the question, what are we gonna do with that? So Jesus, I just pray that we would pour our hearts and souls into getting to know you more so that we can be faithful servants, living productive lives for you. So Holy Spirit, continue to speak, continue to change and transform us and lead and guide us into the next steps that you have in mind for us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.